Good morning. Uh, so my name is Will. I'm the pastor here. If I didn't get to meet you and you're new, I hope we get a chance to meet each other. Um, and we are typically, as a church, going through a book of the Bible. And between, we finished First John, and then we're going to go on to something else. And in between, we went ahead and put a box up here. Probably, I don't know, that might have been six months ago now. And asked for requests. Like, what, what, what kind of topics would you like to hear about? And so from those requests, there's been a series of sermons, and we're, we've really been talking about creation, we're heading towards marriage, and so today we're going to talk about where those two intercede and intersect, right? Intersect is the word, not intersect. Intersect. Um, so we're going to be in Genesis 3. Before we get into that, I'll pray, but just by way of introduction, just to say, really, I want to look at this, and I want to present this to you because in studying, in prayer, and from other people's conversations, other pastors' teaching. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Choked. Um, I've be, begun to look at the curse in a different way and how that impacts men and women. So I'd love to share that with you so it's something you can meditate on and think about. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, I promise you I'm not sick anymore. I'm doing better, okay? So don't be afraid. So, so this is really kind of the product of a lot of those conversations. So I will probably use words like we, and when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about those people, you know, conversations in my home and conversations in those communities or fellowships that I'm involved with. And I want the same for each one of you because I think that's super important and your ability to follow Christ is to do that where your life meets. Whether you have small groups, the people you work with, your own household, we're getting into family dynamics here, and so in those families is where this is best worked out, okay? Let me pray, and we'll jump right in. Father, I just pray for your words in this, and to speak the truth with no fear, uh, no hesitation, but just honesty, Lord, and I confess, super hypocrite alert, because all these things that I'm saying, I'm very guilty of myself as a man, as a husband, as a father, and I hope that I continue to, to walk with you and that you'll work these things out in me and help me persevere through this curse throughout my lifetime, that I'll be brought home with you where this curse will end and all this will be over and all things will be made new and set right. So Jesus, I pray also that you would come soon. I know that you're patient, your timing, the Father's timing is perfect, but we long for you to come back and set things right. And I pray this, Jesus, in your name because of your victory. Amen. So first of all, we were created, right? We talked about some of creation, and I'm going to skip ahead of some of that. So man was created, right? So God created a garden. He created man. Tell me a little bit about that. Not, rhetor not rhetorical, just like I actually want to ask you. How did he create Adam? Out of the dust of the earth, okay? So... So then the question is, so he created Adam out of the dust of the earth. He put him in this garden. Why was he created? To worship God. I have some notes here so you can cheat a little bit. But, but really, at a textual level, it talks about the land and there being no man to work it. right? So, so he created this man. Part of it was someone had to watch after the animals and care for and tend to the land. That was part of it, right? He also had a conversational relationship with them. He created this man in his own image. 
So the only way I can get that is like I have sons. Part of them is just like me, kind of in my image. So that's the best way in my simple human mind that I can relate to that. So he walked with him. He had intimacy with God. He also had a, a job, a huge job. God's like, as my son, as an earthly king would do, they would want their sons to grow up and, and rule over the kingdom with them. And it's not too different like with Adam. He had his son, and he wanted him to care for and rule over creation. The animals, right, the plants, the people that were to come. Fair enough? Okay. Now, but what he found is, even with all the animals and the plants, as much fun as they were to talk to, they weren't created in God's image, it wasn't good for man to be alone. So he created a woman. Tell me a little bit about that. What did he do, if you remember the story? Out of the rib? Okay. Is that true? You guys remember that? Okay. We're on the same page. Cool. And what was the woman's job? What's that? To help. Yeah, and a lot of that, right, the help made the word that we use. There wasn't a suitable helper, and it wasn't good for him to be alone. So he created the woman, apparently also in his image. So God, in some ways, resembles a lot of what a woman brings to the picture, and in some ways, it's a resemblance of God and what man brings to the picture. And no matter what culture tells you, Everything is not created exactly the same. doesn't mean one's more valuable than the other, but there, is, there are differences. Okay, fair enough? So the man and the woman, there were some differences. You learned this when you were very small, right? If you had a sister and you were a boy, you started to ask those questions. Why is this different, Dad, right? The, you start to figure this out. There are some differences. And if you marry so, someone of the opposite sex, you really begin to understand how different you can be, living life together day in, day out. But other than that, the woman was, see, here's the value thing. She was created really to do the same things, to worship God, to be, to be more like her father, to help take care of the land and the animals, right? Well, they were put in this garden, and, and then God brought them together. So now, what was the purpose of them being united, what we call marriage? They became one, yeah. So there was a helper, there was a compliment that happened. And if we're doing this right, what you end up finding is when we pair up, we often choose differences. Opposites attract. Duh. Because at a created level, you are supposed to find the person who is a compliment to you. So they have to be different. And, and, and obviously, some of us find people more alike than us, than other couples. But if you see that happening, it makes a lot of sense. And so ultimately, it wasn't good for man to be alone. And every man probably knows that, right? You know that a little bit if you're a man. It's even a week, if you're married and you're like middle-aged and you, your wife leaves for a couple of weeks, it's just not a good thing for you. They don't, the house is not right. You're not right. It's, you can see that. So these two image bearers of, of Christ, there's this huge metaphor throughout the scripture with marriage that we're not going to get into today, but it's, you know, how we love our spouses, how we become sacrificial, how it becomes unconditional. It's the best picture we have of how God loves us, but we continually fail to do it right, okay? And then finally, this is where a lot of the people say, yay, to be fruitful and multiply, right? The earth was big. We need a lot of people to work the land. And then the more corrupt the world got, part of, part of the bad news is all that, you know, population gave more corruption into the world, but it also provided more people standing for truth. 
So that's sort of how the Jews survived. They had tons of babies. They became a problem for every culture trying to rule them over time because there were just so many of them. What could they do with them? Okay, that's a lot quick because that's not the point. Let's just set the stage there. Well, then what happened? They're in the garden. Who shows up? Satan, Satan right? And they, they describe him as a what form? Serpent. serpent. What's a serpent? Snake. Okay. And then, he, what does he do? What does he do? What does he tell the man or the woman? He causes trouble. He starts putting some doubt in there, tries to convince them to do the thing that God did not want them to do. Well, what ended up happening, if you remember the story? Right, so the woman's like, fair enough, agreed to what, what was offered to her, took the fruit, ate it, gave it to her husband. Their eyes were open. They realized they were naked. What did they do? They hid, right? Covered. They, yeah, they, they hid. Yeah. He did not have to. Adam did not have to take a bite of the apple. You're right on. You're a couple slides ahead. You're right on. No, that's good. That's good. You're on it. So, so then God shows up at him, right? Like any parent coming through the house. What are you doing? You're in your room. It's kind of quiet in here. What are you up to? Adam, Eve, where are you? And then what does Adam say to him? Like, why are you hiding, right? And he's like, well, we hid because we're naked. And then we pick up here. Chapter 3, verse 11. He said, who's he? God, okay. We're, on, we're in the right context. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, it was the woman who gave it to me. She gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. It's like, it's her fault. That woman you gave me, man. So then the Lord looked at the woman. What is it that you've done? And the woman's like, well, it wasn't me. It was that serpent, man. That serpent, like, made me do it. Okay, let's, here's what actually happened. Does that say something about our nature? We do that. It wasn't me. Not my fault. Do you feel that in you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Richard Somebody else that told him? <laughs> Somebody else has that problem, but not Richard. Yeah. No, never. <laughs> so here's what, here's what I find, why I want to just pause a moment here, even if it's not the point, because there is, a, there is an opposing dark force out there that wants to destroy you. You get that, right? And when we, when we interact with each other, we're coming against... Um, Evil at work in your sin and my sin, in the sin of the world around us, okay? I'll say that again, right? There is, when you're in the world, there is an opposing force that wants to destroy everything that God's about. It wants to twist, distort, and destroy everything that God's doing. So when we, is what Paul's trying to explain to us, when we're having struggles with ourselves, with creation, understand there's more than just the two of us in the room. However, it's very simple. Once you begin to get on that idea to say, Satan made me do it, right? It's a famous saying. It's just spiritual warfare. Okay, let's stop a second and be honest, okay? Eve, Adam, let's stop a second and be honest. Here's what was recorded, right? What Moses wrote down in Genesis. Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? This is what the serpent's saying to him. Like, did God, you know, did God really say that? Like, 
Wow, what a jerk, right? And then the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. So this is what Satan does. This is not any different than what he does now. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Guys, it is the message throughout time. The message throughout time is what? Ah, God's holding out on you. God's way, when you go God's way, you're leaving something on the table. And every generation has a new thing. Now everyone's woke to this truth, right? Like we've somehow evolved past God and Christianity, right? We're like a post-Christian culture where it's like, that's archaic caveman garbage. We know better. We have science. Right? Oh, you mean we're supposed to do sex that way? No, that's stupid. God just doesn't want you to have any fun. Uh, you know, money? Yeah, no, we don't do it that way. Health? Nah. No, that's old ideas. We know better. It's this. But I'll have you know this. What's super important is we as a people, if we're going to start talking about the enemy as a, as a force at work in the world in our lives, which I think we should, we have to be careful not to say... It wasn't me that did it. Ultimately, I'm not going to say always, but for the majority of the time, every evil that's done, someone had to make a choice to agree to what was suggested, to agree to what was excused, to accept what was offered to them. You know anyone that Satan, like, loaded up pornography for them to watch? No. Do you know anyone who literally made someone have an affair with someone else? Do you know anyone who Satan came to their house and shot drugs into their arm or shoved a fifth of whiskey down their throat or, or came to their house and made them angry? That's not what happens. You are making a choice. And so we've got to stop. First of all, if we're going to look at ourselves, we can't do. It wasn't me. It was me. Right? It was, it was me. So I think there's a super super important lesson in that before we move forward. So let me just say that. So what did she do? How did she respond? She took the fruit and she ate it, right? She did the choice. Satan didn't start throwing this fruit at her so it would touch her so she would surely die. She took it, she ate it, her fault, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. It wasn't me, it was you. It wasn't me, it was you. It was both of them. That's the truth. So God knew that. So he goes on to say in verse 16, to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. (coughs) Excuse me. But he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. There's that cursed word. That's why we refer to this as the curse, right? Because there's a curse that came because of sin. Verse 18, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. 
Well, that's fine and dandy, but let's, let's bring this home. What I want to do is I want to give this to you for consideration because I'm finding this really helpful in the day-to-day struggle of being human to understand what this means and what I'm coming up against. Does that make sense? And I'm assuming, I know that every gender stereotype is not true. However, I would tell you a lot of this curse it is pretty universal for men and women. How it, how it manifests in your life might look a little bit different, but this is a universal thing for everyone created, right, since that time. So let's, let's talk about that, because when I read that at first, it's like, okay, yeah, it's hard to be a, a farmer. Thank God we've risen above that, and now we've got grocery stores, right? Pesticides, I've got super grow, you know, like, man, it's sweet. We've got Thrive, I put on my apple tree, and I'm just eating like a king. I just conquered that, right? And then, oh, yeah, childbearing, yeah, that hurts. I was there. I watched that, delivering a baby. That looked painful. Thank God I'm a guy, right? One of the one million reasons why I'm grateful to be a man instead of a woman. Yeah, that's, that's up there on that list for sure. Uh, but it's more than that, and I want to bring this to your consideration. So let's talk about the woman's curse. Not to pick on you women, but, but the Bible talked about it first, so I'll bring it up first. Asterix here. I'm not a woman. I'm super fond of them, probably too much so. But, and I talk to them. I'm married to one, and so I'm learning. And so you can correct me if I'm wrong. But one of the things that, he, that God said is because of this, you're going to multiply your pain in childbearing. Would you allow me to, to take a little liberty in unpacking this and applying it? Would you? Okay. So for a woman, since this time, what's one of the core things you were made to do, right? You are an important part of the procreating process. You are the place where it grows. The man can fertilize but does not, is not part of giving life. And as a matter of fact, when you were created, when you were done, that's when God was done. He says, now I've reached the apex of creation. It's all done. It's all good. It's huge. No wonder Satan came for you first. No wonder Satan came for you first. But because of that curse, everything that has to do with childbearing, what, what other things have to do with childbearing that, you struggle, that the women have to struggle with? Raising them. Raising them, yeah. So the labor delivery, that's, that's rough, right, for anyone that's done that or watched it. Pregnancy can be super rough, but what else? What's this? Disobedience, okay. Let's even think biological. Help me out biologically. Monthly. Yeah, periods, weird, right? That's just weird. Isn't that crazy that that happens, poor girls? Right? That, that's one. So how inconvenient is that to have a period every month? To bleed for that long and not die, right? And, and to have to deal with that, especially in ancient cultures, right? Oh, man. And then what else comes with that when you have your period? Cramps, right? Your breasts ache. You got hormones, right? You, different people. Some months it's worse than others. Emotional swings. Ladies, is this true? Is this true? And, and then what happens when it goes wrong? Endometriosis, cysts. Tumors, breast cancer, that sucks, yeah. right? Apparently it has to do with estrogen. Uh, 
And then at the same time, right, as you get older, right, Tim, what happens to your bones for the women? Osteoporosis. Menopause. Right? Night sweats. Like all that, biologically, it is ridiculous. And you got some dude pawing at you every day in spite of all of this stuff. Right? I mean, that is a, that is a mess. You can't go for a jog because you got breasts because you got to feed kids, right? Like, like all this stuff. Try playing golf. I mean, there's so many curses that come from this. And then having the kids, it's like my wife says, you have little kids, even good kids. You're like, where did they learn to do that, right? Like to be disobedient. You got that. Anyone ever had a teenager or been a teenager? That's scary. What about when your kids grow up and they choose a life different than yours? How is that? Boom, thanks, Eve. Thanks, Eve. Thanks, Eve. Okay? So you see that in the child bearing and rearing? And all, all that comes into play. It's no surprise to God. And see, can, you, can religion help you escape that? Oh. Then the second line, it says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband. That's what the ESV says. I don't think it's a great translation in that one. What I love about it is, is people will always say, well, what's the best translation? Well, the original language, so thank God that we can access that on the World Wide Web. So I can read ESV, and if I read it and I'm like, that's a trash definition, then I can choose a better one. So let me tell you this. Here's what I learned what that means, because even some of them, your di- desire will be for your husband. So that sounds good to guys like, yes, right? She's going to want to touch me. No, that's not what that means. The other place that this language shows up, let me show you. Remember Cain and Abel a little later on? What, what happens with that? Who are Cain and Abel? Siblings, right? Sons of Adam and Eve. What does one brother do to the other? Kills them. Okay. So when, right before he kills them, this shows up in Genesis 4-7. If you do well, you will not, if, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Right? They're arguing about what kind of offerings given to the Lord. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire, that's the same word, is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So what I'm presenting to you is as a woman, the world around you, and particularly your, your husband and kids, you're going to want to, almost, almost as vicious as like sin crouching at the door, you're going to see what's right and want to control that. And so that urge is going to come, and it says you must rule over it. Wow, how hard is this getting now? Ladies, that's hard. So your desire shall be to control or come against, to be contrary to your husband, to be in disagreement. Let me ask you, ladies, because I'm not a lady. Do you see that? If you look at yourself, even young ladies, do you see it? Yeah. There's just that, oh, right? You can, like, you can see it. Where, and you want to come against, you want to control. And this may, may be highly unpopular, but you can even see the push of women in rebellion in churches and out of churches towards what we call woman's lib right? And 
And what's funny about that is, I was, thinking, I was talking to Brandy about this. I said, you know what's interesting? For a woman to want to take the man's role, it's like she's asking to take on that curse on top of her own. <laughs> right? Like, oh, dang, that, that's, to look at it that way, Lord? Poor girl, right? Because she's like, she wants to go, or like what a poor single mom's having to do. She's having to take on both of those curses. Like, wow, that's rough. So, ladies, do you feel that? And if you deny it, I can tell you I see it in a lot of you, just to be honest, as I get into your lives. It's at my house. It's at almost every house I go to. You guys do it to me? Honestly, yeah, you really do. You, you do. It's, on, it's on TV and movies and everywhere I go. Like, it is that pull, okay? But you're not alone at fault. We're going to pick on the guys next, okay? Um, and then it goes on to say, so you're wanting to lead, often because the men won't do it. You're wanting to come against or control, but he shall rule over you. And really, I think what that, what that means is that it's his responsibility to step out ahead of you to protect you and lovingly direct you, right? And we see that done in all sort of incorrect ways. But ultimately, he's saying, not only are you going to want to control it and lead, but it's not even your role. Your role is to be led. Let's let that simmer a second, right? Because if you're a woman hearing this, I'm, I'm telling you, man, you can just hear this and do nothing about it, or you can... This is what we'll get to. You're going to have to fight that fight against that. And you're going to have to praise God that eventually he's going to come back and get rid of this. But in the meantime, you're going to have to always be watching yourself in that and ask the Lord to watch you and keep you. So, okay, all the childbearing stuff. You guys see that? That's rough. All the child-rearing stuff, the hormones, that's rough. So that curse has come home for you. What about the control, the lead? Do you see that? Okay. okay. Now I can pick on the men, and I can speak firsthand about this. The man's curse against his work. See, we read that, and it talks about, it's using kind of farming terms. So, you know, non-agrarian cultures like ours or communities like where we're at, we don't really see that so much. Man, we've got grocery stores. We don't even need rain, right, we think. We're just so detached from reality. But it says this, it's, there's a curse against your work. And, and I would take the liberty to say that means the means and methods of providing or caring for your family and all of God's creation. Right. Uh, how did this play out? Well, let's look at a very, you know, farming. We were growing. We move into places like Arizona, which I guess some places have decent soil, but it's really hot and not a lot of natural rain. Not, not necessarily the best place to grow every crop. If we didn't use artificial means, we would probably starve to death here in certain parts of our state, right? Okay, so what we did is we figured out if we can inject chemicals, we can make each apple bigger. And who cares if it gives you cancer? And where you don't have enough food, you just put corn in there because everyone loves corn. And if it tastes weird, you just add sugar. Okay, this is what, that all came from this. Do you see that? Now, 
I worked at a bank when I was first a father. Let me show you how this worked out. Six o'clock at night, wife, small kids. Okay, I'm going to go home now. I've been there since like seven. Oh, you're leaving already? Any men know this? Right? You're leaving already? Like, I mean, my kid's going to go to sleep soon, and they haven't seen me at all. That's this. And then when you come home, girls, not, not to hit on you, but you're home all, if you're home with the kids or you're working a shift where you can come home and be with the kids, you're exhausted too. And then we come in and it's like, you think we were at Disneyland all day, right? Like, why are you tired? Like, oh, geez. You got no idea the headache I had all day long, right? But no, I have no idea the headache you've had all day long. I mean, this thing, if it feels cursed, it's because it is. And then let's say you throw all caution to the wind. You give 40 years to some company, and pretty soon you're too old and they don't want you anymore, and then they bail on you. Oh, jeez. Or you're a poor kid in a poor neighborhood, so you get good at sports or music, and you think if you can make millions of dollars, it'll get your mom off crack and make you a good person, and then it doesn't work out. Surprise, right? Because this work is cursed. Providing for yourself, keeping a balance, man, you don't win this. That's why when you're 60, you never say, I wish I was 20 again, because that sucked, and I don't want to go back. Because even all the things that I know, I would just go back and fail again. I'd probably do better at this and worse at this. Okay, have I lost my mind? Are you guys with me? Do you see it? I mean, even in being a pastor, it's weird, right? Like, I got to speak truth to you. But can I speak truth to you if I haven't figured it out? I don't know. And then am I a hypocrite? I can't win. And you can be like, for six months, those are the greatest sermons I ever heard, Will, but so-and-so was weird at me, or I don't like the music, so I'm out. Okay, It's all cursed, man. We are crazy, and we're cursed, and we're hurting each other. The second piece is this. The words he uses, because you've listened to the voice of your wife, Oh, and they're like, what? My husband doesn't, no. They listen to their wife over God. What happened quite literally is, imagine this, okay? So we're in the garden. Use your imagination. I think God gave it to us for a purpose. So you're a man or you're a woman. Men, you can see this. You're alone. You've got animals. You're talking to them. Now all of a sudden, God brings a naked woman for you. This is a great day. And here's the truth for you young people. Why we don't want you to have sex yet is because once you start this, you don't want to stop this. It's a fact, right? It's why pornography is deadly. It's why premarital sex is dangerous. Because once you start this, you don't want to stop. Well, they started it, and it was blessed by God. But in that act, because it's spiritual, because it's physical, because it's emotional, that man was nuts for that woman. So from all that he knew, they're like, if you touch that tree, you're going to die, drop over dead. So what is Adam thinking when this woman, I mean, I got a wife. I love her like crazy, even on the worst days, right? If I saw her doing something, that's going to surely kill her. If God was more important than that woman, I would have said, sucker, good luck. (laughs) Maybe he'll make me a new one that's not so rebellious. Right? Right? 
But he loved that woman so much, he was willing to die. So he's like, give me that fruit, girl. But what it is, it sounds romantic, right? It sounds, oh, Adam. But really what it was is idolatry. Like, so this started this curse, right? Like, his, his, the need he will have for his wife's approval and affections. You guys have that? For your wives? It's really idolatry. I, I'm awful at this, man. And this comes between man and his heavenly father. Well, how does that play out, okay? So it's everywhere. Oh, you know what? I mean, even watch the Olympics, right? Kind of like, the girl could probably do the ice skating without her underwear up her butt, but guys like that better, so they do that, right? Like, oh, I want to buy spark plugs. Well, maybe this lady in the bikini, I should buy the ones that she's showing, right? Because if you're not getting that approval, affection, the world is offering tons of counterfeits. You watch a show, they just throw a random nude scene in there. It didn't really need to be there, but just to keep the guys hooked enough so they keep coming back, maybe they'll see that again. Like, that's all this, guys. Man, that's, that's all this. Because of this curse, we haven't been able to detach. So constantly, we're saying, we're going towards destruction, just like Adam said, give me that fruit. Is it true, man? Over here, is it true? I mean, even teenagers, guys, let's be honest about it, right? When you're in high school, all it's about is, can I get girls to like me? And the guy who has more girls to like him is better. It's true, right? Yeah. I don't think that's changed. Well, was it like that when you were in school too? Yeah. Someone who's like 60, was it like that when, it was, when you were in school? 50, what about you? 40, yes, it was like that. 30-year-olds, anyone? Was it like that? 20-year-olds? 15-year-olds? 16, it's like that, right? Yeah. Oh, this feels good, right? Okay. But it's truth. It's truth. Some, someone, God is putting words to what we're feeling. So you can see how this would be. I mean, you're, you're at opposition, right? The, the man is so, you know, thunderstruck by the woman that he won't say boo to her when she needs him to lead. And then he gets passive and he's like, okay, whatever. Not only will he let her do it, he'll run towards destruction with her. And then she has to step in and lead and rule. So then she keeps leading over him and ruling over him. It's just a chain reaction for destruction. But there's some good news here. Okay? If we keep reading verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. Let's stop there a second. That term is actually not like all your kids. They're talking about an individual person. Right? Her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his 
heal. That's what it says in the ESV. Couple things. What this is called is this is actually the first place where the gospel was presented. The gospel is just a word that means good news. So here's good news. I've just given you all that bad news about the curse that until Jesus comes back and destroys and makes new the world, that's still going to be there. One of you, you're not going to arrive. I'm beyond the curse. No, I'm fine. No. It doesn't matter how much you grow. I hope you do. You aren't going to get past the implications and effects of that curse. The ground's still cursed even if you stop being passive. So the word here, that proto-evangelium, or however you want to say it, I don't speak the original language, but it really means first gospel. And so the word here that we're translating bruise twice, it's actually the same word, but its meaning can go as, as gentle as bruise and as harsh as like crush and destroy. So the people who study the Bible, and even when I read it prayerfully, I can see that what it's saying, right, is it's saying, um, first of all, more cursed are you, serpent, as an example and as an image to all of creation that the curse is there and don't mess with God. And even though he's pronounced this curse on men and women, he says, here's the good news. That might stink for you guys, but serpent, for what you did, you're going to be an example through all of created history of how serious God was about this. And you're going to do the most disgraceful thing. You're going to eat the dirt all your days. And the offspring of this woman, and his name will be Jesus. And you will, yeah, you'll strike his heel. You'll strike his heel. You'll think you killed him, but he'll be up. Resurrected. He's going to crush your head. Right? He's going to crush your head. And when he does, the curse will be gone. More powerful than true love's kiss in a Disney story. I mean, the curse will be gone when he crushes his head. So the curse will be conquered by Jesus. See, so Jesus is the only one that can overcome this. So we have to understand, this is going to sound really, I want to bring this home because what we really long to do, those people I've been talking with, I'm, we're so tired of just being hearers of the word and not doers. It's kind of the words we're using. So we don't do that in church because I'm going to give this to you and the next week it's going to be a new thing. Oh, and I wish it wasn't that way. I wish we could unpack this more. And, I, and I'm praying about ways in which we can do this. But for right now, I want you to take this to the places you're going, talking with other people in your homes or wherever you're going for fellowship and try to work this out because this is going to be a day-to-day, minute-by-minute, week-by-week thing, understanding more the implications of the curse and the effects of the curse in your life and how God might walk you through a different way of living. Not because the curse will go away, but for you to overcome. So it sounds churchy, but the curse can only be conquered by Jesus. It didn't stop when you got baptized. It doesn't stop with church membership. It doesn't even stop if you become an ordained pastor. I'm assuming it doesn't stop if you become the Pope, right? Like, missionary, there's no role you get, not president, not king, nothing stops this except for Jesus. So even though I can't conquer it, Jesus is the great overcomer. And so only in his power can you and I overcome that. Men, can we overcome the fact that we'll go passive, 
the fact that we'll have idolatry for women, the fact that we won't lead when we're supposed to. And women, only Jesus can help us cope with all the biological fallout, right? And, and then, but also with that pull to try to control and to come against, like you're going to have to stop and say no, like Eve should have said nope, instead of saying yes. Because when we say yes, that's when we act out the curse. When we say no, we overcome. It's, I know it sounds tremendously simple, and it's not that simple. See, the Holy Spirit is God with us. So this is what's cool. We have the Holy Spirit. He has the map and the power to go where we need to go. But we have to ask him, and we have to follow him. Does that make sense? If I knew the way to get from A to B, then you'd probably want to ask me, and you'd probably want to follow my directions. But we don't do that because it's gotten so much religion. It's like, don't tell me what to do. It's like, I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to show you the way through this because you don't, you don't evolve past this. You don't outgrow this. So what do we do? Like, what do we do? So I, I wrote it this way. So if, if right now what I'm seeing, a lot of you guys, I mean, some of you are spacing out. I know it's getting long. But some of you are saying, I, I think what you're saying is true, Will. I know it's true. So if you're with me, you know it's true, okay? I hear what you're saying, and I believe it's true. So to be a doer of this, I guess the question that we just don't ask enough in church is like, well, what do I do today about this? We don't like to ask that because you you really can't do it yourself, but I'm telling you the final decision, yes or no, is yours to make. No one else's. Well, here's the first thing you could do, and some of you will choose to do this, and that's okay, because I'll just keep yelling the same things till you change your mind, or you get tired of me and kick me out, okay? You could just hear this truth and do nothing about it, right? You could go home and be like, you know what? They're just wrong, and then the guy could be like, ooh, look at her, right? And then, or the woman could be like, Will, what a jerk. Now I'm extra mad at my husband. Or then when you get in a fight, ah, Satan made me do it. I'm sorry, I was being passive. Oh, I'm sorry, I was being controlling. Satan made me do it. I mean, you can do nothing about it. That is so okay. I don't want you to do that. But I do that sometimes. And if you do nothing about it, God's grace is so amazing. His love, we don't have as much patience and grace as God has for us. And his timing is perfect. I'm going to trust that when it's time. But if it's time you today, I think this is something we were talking about at my house. Because I've got a woman there, and I'm like, oh, man, what do we do? I got two women. It's very true. (laughs) So the one thing we can do is be proactive. I want to give you a real practical, a couple practical things here. What do you mean by that, Will? Well, from the scripture, you can evidently see that that sin is coming for you, right? Every one of us, and although some of us have a lot of similarities and how sin comes at us, each one of us being a little bit of a different person, different personalities, different backgrounds, and different circumstances. Some of you are a real sucker for fear. Some of you are a real sucker for pride. Some of you are a real sucker for lust, right? Some of you are a real sucker for gossip or jealousy or envy, all because of your makeup. And that, that kind of demonic evil force is after you on a pretty consistent basis. It's coming and knocking on the door quite often. 
the, one of the first things that's taught to us by a lot of the fathers in the faith, including Jesus himself, is like, ask God to keep it away from your door. Like, deliver me from the evil one, right? Protect me from this. Keep it away. I think that's the first thing we need to do. Be proactive. Because as you discover more about how you are and where you're weak, then you know more what protections to set up. If you're like a power-hungry, greed person, don't be president of a company, right? Just don't do it to yourself. If you're a lust person, you know, you don't want to watch certain things, bouncer at the strip club is not a good thing for you, okay? Make sense? Proactive, keep me from that sin. Secondly, awareness, right? The transformation of our mind, why that's so huge, is you need to be able to see things the way that God sees it. Even the word confession, we've made it religious, but all it means is to agree with what God is saying, right? Like, ah, you're right. That's what it is. I did that and you were right. I was wrong. That's the whole point of confession. Come to agreement with that. So we have to get some uh, awareness. So prayerfully, I wrote down, seek awareness and understanding for your propensity towards certain sinful thoughts or actions. Like for me, I can get fearful. Not so much anxious, but kind of like fearful in certain environments. When, when in certain environments, like I'll be bold in other environments, there's like some fear there. So I know that will come for me. I'm a super affectionate person. So of course that kind of, that kind of lust, desire thing, that's a danger for me. Um, I tend to, like in most environments, lead, so I've got to watch all those pride-based things. Uh, I, I am a nice guy. I'm, I'm stuck with that wrong belief that if I can make everything okay, you'll be okay and I'll be okay. And it's not true. So I tend to be passive. You see that? So now I know what knocks are coming at the door. But that's, that's taken lots of like time, counseling, talking with other people. And then what happens is then you begin to know that it's coming for you. And when it comes and tries to invite you into it, when Satan comes and says, did uh, God really say you can't eat from any tree in here? And you start to get in that conversation. Well, no, but he said I can't eat of that. Uh, well, that's not true. You can say, no, I believe it is, and walk away. Well, if you don't take control, it's not going to get done right. Okay, what happens if it doesn't get done right? You start to have those conversations with yourself. You begin to realize the sky won't fall. So then you choose, begin to choose not, ultimately you have to make that choice not to go with what's suggested not to go with what's accused, not to go with what the impulse is. And that might be hard. And now when you fail, then that's a whole other conversation. You've got to learn to have kind of grace for yourself. Um, a great scripture for this that we were looking at at my house was Psalms 139, 23 through 24. And it's, it goes like this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Okay, here's, here's the dangerous thing. When you begin to pray this, stuff is going to happen to show you what's going on, to show you where you're weak, okay? To show you where that implication of the curse is in your life. So try me, here's the dangerous part. You know what try me means? What's that mean? 
Yeah, like test me. Try to get me to go for the thing I always go for. You could probably sit there and be like, I know what's coming once you pray this, right? Try me and know my, ESV doesn't add that word, but the thoughts. It has to do with negative, so they put, in some of the translations, they put anxious in there, so I like that better to say, know my anxious thoughts. Know where I'm afraid. Know where I'm worried. Know where I'm worked up. Like, that's going to show up when he tests you. Anyone with any type of addiction or sin habit, they'll tell you they don't fall into that when they're strong. They fall into that when they feel weak, anxious, attacked. So, and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And see, that's, this is the problem that I have. I have those ways, right? Um, and the end of this is saying those ways in me aren't everlasting. They're just not. They don't suffice, but God has ways that are everlasting that will satisfy, that will come to your rescue. And it's really hard to get to those because I know we're not used to that, but that's why this is a hard journey to go on. That's why it takes courage and it takes the power of God because you can't do it on your own. So let let me kind of come back to summary for this and then we can kind of, go into this. I'll invite Elliot and them to come up in a minute and we can go into that. So when Jesus makes all things new, the curse will be gone, right? He's going to stomp the head and effectively release us from the consequences of that. Everything that we're going to as a coping mechanism or as a shadow of what's created, the real thing will happen because God will be with us, right? All the affirmation, all the love, all the security, all the provision, it'll be there so we don't have to lunge at money or affection or success or control. But until then, there's only one who's like walked through this who knows how to persevere through it. And that's Jesus, right? I heard someone say it. So what you really have to do is one, ask for direction and two, follow where he leads us to go. And once again, super hypocrite alert, man. I wish I could tell you that, like, I do this more often than I don't, but that's not true. It's not true. Well, how do we get there, right? How do we get there? I mean, oh, I, wish I, I wish I could just give you the steps, but here's what I noticed, and this might be something that's missing. For you, maybe one of these areas is missing. One... One, that, one thing that's super important, I think, for this is that you understand that God with you is the power to show you, to open your eyes to the things you don't see. Like, I believe today, if you haven't heard some of this fallout from, from the, the curse and the fall of man before, it might cause you to have some new thoughts and be like, wow, I never thought about it like that. Right? And that's all the Holy Spirit. He's making you aware. It doesn't have to be magical and mystical, okay? Don't, don't get that twisted. The more powerful thing he does is testify to truth and tell you what the Father and the Son are up to, right? We get help from the Holy Spirit. He's the one, search me and know me, reveal me where you're working. And then the other question is this, and this is where you guys can be this for each other. And this is what I really would long to see in my life and in the lives of people around me is when Jesus left, he said, here's what's gonna be better for you. 
better than God himself walking with you, is that all of you are going to be indwelled and have the power of God with them. And you're basically going to pick up where I left off. And so as impactful as I was, you guys should be able to make a bigger impact because there's thousands of you hand in hand being Jesus to everyone around you. Is that a, is that a wrong interpretation of what was said or do you guys think that's true? Okay. So why can't we help each other out? I mean, for the people around you, but I think the question is, are we even in, in enough people's lives that they can begin to say, oh, I know you will. I know you well enough to know those things that are knocking for you. And how can I help you, right? I know you, Brandy. I know those things that are knocking for you. In a general way, can't we help the men around us? Like, don't be so passive. Take the lead. But don't be a jerk. And what about women? Like, you know, talk about how hard it is when your husband's a knucklehead not to take control right? Talk about, I wish he quit pawing at me. I got cramps, right? Like, you need a place to talk about this and understand that this struggle doesn't go away until Jesus comes back, but there's a way through this. And it's together that we do that. It's with Christ together and there for each other, right? Yeah, but it's got to be deeper than just lunch. And so we come together in churches, and we hear the word, and we say, that's true, and then we go hear more of the word. And we say, that's true, and then we hear more of the word, and we say, that's true. And then we hear more of some kind of aspect of the faith, right? And that's true, but we don't do anything about it. So really what I I would love to do at this point, worship team, would you guys come on back up? A couple things. Let me, let me talk to you as an individual first. If you're hearing this and you think it's true, and it's causing you to think, man, maybe I need to look at this a little more, I would encourage you to do it. Make a note in your phone. You can, there's a pen. You can even take one of those little papers if you need to. Psalm 139. Look at this. Look at it prayerfully. And if you're willing, ask God to show if you don't know. But maybe you know, maybe you're just like me, you you just conveniently forget often about what's happening in you all the time, right? Maybe you can see it clearly where this curse is playing out. But I would encourage you to start there, that you would prayerfully go to God, that he would show you, and that once you know that, that you would actually tell somebody about it. Like, husbands and wives, if you have that, talk about it. Talk about it. Understand that in general, the husband, he's either going to get passive or get jerky at you. Right? And depending on how you're acting, the woman's going to be different levels of controlling. It's just, it's given in what you have going on. The more passive we get, the more controlling they have to get. Then in turn, the more controlling they get, the more passive we get. Right? So, What I would say is you need that kind of community. If you have a group of people, we should talk about these things. If you get together with a group of people, can you talk about these things? Because if we would start to do that, we would start to talk about God's design for this and try to overcome that curse, I think we'd be such a blessed people for that. Does that sound fair? So I want to pray. 
and I think this is going to build up because we're going to talk about marriage and some other things, but I first of all want to bring in the fact that this curse exists and there's a fallout from this. So I'm going to pray, and then if you guys could just give us some music, you know, just some music behind just for prayer. Give them some time to kind of chew on this a little bit. Uh, and I'm here if you want someone to pray with. I know, that, I know that Tim would be happy to pray with you in the back. And I just, I just would long, uh, I long for my life, for my marriage, for my masculinity and my wife's femininity to be more in line with what God created us to be. But we're going to have to overcome these things in Christ. Not even that, navigate through them in Christ. So Father, I just pray that your mercy and your grace would come on everyone. Because a lot of these things, like the ground is still cursed. Uh, The biology of what's going on, there's still this negative effect on it. And so we don't just uh, counsel away hormones. We don't counsel away problems. But Lord, we ask that you would come, that you would speak, that you would search us. That you would show us the ways, the poisonous, anxious ways in us. And that we would have the courage, Lord, that you would just just spur us on and that we would spur one another on enough to have the courage to look at these things. And Lord, I pray that I would do that, that I would have the courage to look at these things, to not be passive, to not be an idolatry towards the woman, Lord, to not be desperate for that affection and that affirmation, but instead to be desperate for you and your affection and your affirmation. And so, Lord, I pray that for everyone whose heart is ready, that you would speak to them, that you would use this scripture and this truth to begin a transformation of their mind and their lives. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.